Hey there, folks, and welcome to episode 80 of Eddie and Caleb's HeroCast. My name is Caleb Baldwin. You can follow me on Twitter at IamCalebB. Follow my co-host and producer slash friend, Eddie Cornelison, at EDDYC85 on Twitter. Our show account is EC underscore Hero. We have an Instagram account that Eddie posts uh, most, if not all, of our content to, EC HeroCast. Our Gmail is ecrocast at gmail.com. Today, folks, we're here to review the third of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. We're here to review Spider-Man 3. We are not alone. We are once again joined by my good friend, a a fellow contributor to socialsuplex.com. He is a photographer, videographer. Um, Did I miss anything there, sir? Also a writer, but I think that uh, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Simon Cotton, who you can follow on Twitter at SGC Speaks. I did my research this time, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. Glad yeah. to be back. Glad to have you. Glad to have you for sure. Uh, the recording date is September 27. Eddie, how are you doing tonight, man? Did you get that lock taken care of? I did. I did. So, yeah. I uh, This will be not out of order, but... It's very spaced apart, but if you listen to yeah. the Friday the 13th episode, no, Nightmare on Elm Nightmare Street, on Elm Street. wrong one. Uh, yeah, if you listen to Nightmare on Elm Street, you you heard that I had uh, someone break into my garage, stole some gas. Well, you can I, I can't believe this actually worked, but I replaced, I, I mean, there was still a little bit of gas in there, but I replaced a lot of it with water, and uh, if you pour gas, water in a uh, gas tank, probably of a lawnmower, I'm assuming that's what they're using it for. Uh, it, it ruins it. Uh, I mean, it's fixable, but it's a pain in the ass. So uh, I checked today, and they actually stole the gas again. I was very surprised. I was like, wow, that would never work. Usually it would just be like they'd be, they stole it, and then they're gone, and the end. But no, I got it, and then, then I, f- I fixed the broken lock, so I had to relock the garage so they don't, you know, try to get revenge or something. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I am glad you got them with the old sugar in the tank trick. That's really good. Uh, the sugar actually didn't work. That's a myth. I because I, I was oh. gonna do that, but it's water's much worse. Nice. I mean, dude. not so that someone's... sugar's good to put in your gas tank, but it doesn't do yeah. nearly as much as water. I thought, I mean, I had always heard, and this is just, I guess, things I've heard, but that, like, it would, like, explode a gas, like an engine or something. No, no, it kind of, like, hardens up and just sinks to the bottom of the tank, and it'll disintegrate over, I mean, it gets, it's, like I said, it's not good for it, but it doesn't do as much damage as other stuff. Mm. Well, fair enough, I mean, my Monday just consisted of working and not, um, hatching schemes to, uh, get revenge on burglars. So, I'm just, so using, my, my mon- just using science to fight evil like Peter Parker. <laughs> we're not, I'm sorry, we're not talking about this one, are we? <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe the first two. Yeah, Sam, <laughs> Raimi, Sam Raimi respects scientists so much. Just the whole, oh, it's probably a bird. Oh, I got a lot. I got a lot to say about this. Yeah, that's how 
thorough. That's how thorough scientists are. That's probably absurd. <laughs> that's not even like top five on my list <laughs> of this, <laughs> and that's still pretty bad. Oh man. Well, we're gonna dig up the time capsule, and this was released on May four, two thousand seven. I don't know. I was twelve. I was in middle school playing baseball. School's actually about to end, and it's pretty much what I was doing in May of two thousand seven. I was I was still in school, so yeah, I mean, a month earlier I would have had my 22nd birthday. I can't remember what I did, which I guess makes it a good birthday, so there you go. Now, the 23rd, hey. I'm excited to talk about that, because I do remember what I did for my 23rd birthday, but stay tuned. How about you, Simon? Anything eventful happened to you in May of 2007? No, not really, um... Two years from graduating from uh, grammar school, but uh, aside from that, <laughs> there's, no, I, there's nothing that happened at the time that I can really recall. Well, fair enough, and we're not trying to dox anyone here, don't get me wrong. Uh, the number one song here in the United States on May 4, 2007, was Girlfriend by Avril Lavigne. Does that ring any bells to you, Ed? Um, I think so. I'd have to hear it, but I'm sure I've heard it before. If I'm, I'm not mistaken, it it's the one that goes, hey, hey, you, you. Yes. Oh, okay. Then That's yeah, right. I definitely heard that. I was going to say, play it once the episode's done, and it'll uh, it'll be an earworm. earworm. It'll be stuck in your brain for about a week. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> You're... Uh, as you know, we're all wrestling fans. Have been established. Your champions in wrestling at the time. Ooh, on, wait on a minute. Raw, on Raw, in his one-year reign, you had John Cena as the WWE champion. On ECW, and you know, you know, when I think of people that like define extreme, this next person, it's d- definitely like number one with a bullet. ECW champion Vince McMahon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And the Durag SmackDown, Vince. yeah, Durag Vince. <laughs> oof, oof. That yeah, not not his best, not his best work. I can say that for sure. Um, your world heavyweight champion for about another week on SmackDown was the Undertaker hmm. in TNA for actually about another week. The NWA World Heavyweight Champion Christian Cage. And in Ring of Honor, and I'm going to try to pronounce this name more accurately than I did last week, Takeshi Morishima was the ROH world champion. I have never heard of this guy. never seen a match of his. Nah, maybe check it out one day when I get bored. Really, like, really want to go down the rabbit hole, I guess. But I have nothing to say about that guy. Nope. Sorry. <laughs> I will say about that 2007 John Cena reign. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and if I'm not mistaken, that's the continuation from 06, right? When he beat Edge? Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. That's like a top five reign for me, personally. Top five best or worst? Probably best. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to think about it, but, like, his matches with Sean were really good. Oof, um, oh, my God. The... The four-way with at a backlash with Edge and Orton and Sean that was really good. The Kali matches I could take or leave. The Orton matches were 
I remember the SummerSlam match being good, and Cena versus Lashley from Great American Bash 07, also pretty good. And then he got hurt against Ken Kennedy, and the rain ended. <laughs> yeah, that I was, just, that, wasn't that Kennedy's hallmark at that point? Yeah. I just thought mm-hmm. of something, because our show always has historical significance with what's going on, and... I mean, this oh, week no. is we're recording this week the same week Venom comes Venom Two comes out, so kind of. But and I know we never won it in WWE, but it would have been cool if the Sandman were ECW champion. I but. mean, I guess. Well, I mean, he's like, the villain in this movie. He was Sandman ah. was okay. Yeah, I know. I get it. I get the comparison, but like, <laughs> I didn't think you did. Oh, Sandman. Oh seven Sandman, like he didn't look bad, but it's like, uh, you know. Well, it's better than Vince. <laughs> this isn't one hundred percent bad. Well, here's the thing, though. You're not like, look, Vince winning the belt wasn't just to be like, oh, the work rate of Vince McMahon. It was just like a, give Lashley a program for a couple yeah, yeah, of months. I know because he was programmed with the future president. So. Yes, exactly. That was the entire purpose. <laughs> That's of that. That's a thing. Yep. That is, that is a thing. <laughs> nobody would have thunk it at the time. No. Well, Either uh, way. We got the finances. Oh, uh, I was of, hoping you wrote it down. <laughs> well, I did. Good. So, the official budget was $258 million, and that's what I wrote down. But they there was estimates that it went... Much much higher, as high as mm. 350, but we'll be generous and go with the official listing of 258. Box office 894.9 million dollars, a profit of 636.9 million. Inflation 840.3 million puts it at number two on our list behind Spider-Man One. So wow. Now you might be wondering. Oh, oh, critics, by the way, 63%, fans, 51%. Now, you might be wondering, the second highest grossing superhero movie, even higher than number two, mm-hmm. why the hell didn't they make a fourth one? You you know, that wouldn't make sense to me. So, I did some digging, and on July, sorry, January 11, 2010, Deadline reported that Sony Pictures decided today to reboot Spider-Man the Spider-Man franchise after franchise director Sam Raimi pulled out of Spider-Man 4 because he felt he couldn't make its summer release date and kept the film's and keep the film's creative integrity. Uh, but the rumor is the villains would have been Lizard and Black Cat. Uh, Black Cat would have been played by uh, Anne Hathaway, who played Catwoman. So there you go. Wow. Huh. So yeah, I, I I would have thought this one, if you'd have asked me why didn't there be a fourth, it would have been like, oh, well, it was probably because the profit still made money, but made a lot less. They figured a fourth one wouldn't do as well. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, that's I was kind of surprised when I heard that profit line. In fact, it being the second highest uh, profiting film that we've done so far. Yeah, all but three are again, Spider-Man. <laughs> exactly. America exactly, loves some Spider-Man. I think of the goodwill that the series had built up after the second one that is like, yeah, of course the third one outperformed the second, you know? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
considering all the what the comic book movies were like around this time and afterward uh, and beforehand. Yeah. I'm pretty sure what Superman Returns is 06, Hulk yeah. is 03, uh, X Men: The Last Stand is 06 or 07. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Simon. Uh, we've of course we do this every week. Um, it's in the mud right now. Like <laughs> the last really good one we got, I want to say was either Batman Begins or V for Vendetta. Oof. Yeah. T- yeah. I, was v- I, TMNT was uh, it was fine. Um, no, no, no. TMNT was fine. Yeah. But like the last good one was V for Vendetta, which that was seven episodes ago. Oh yeah. wow. Oh seven and and oh seven is not getting any better with. Next week and the week after, I don't suspect. Mm-hmm. But oh wait, yeah, oh wait, we're we're getting we're getting rewarded in oh wait. So absolutely, yeah, our hard work will pay off. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Oh yeah, you said critically this was 63 percent, and the fans gave it a 51. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised the critics went as high as they did. Same. Yeah, when you, I, as as Caleb mentioned earlier, I am a video editor, and while I haven't worked on anything as n- nearly as big as this or even close to it, there's some things that catch my eye when it comes to like editing, and like sound and like sound choice and sound design, and this movie is nowhere near its predecessor in many of these regards. No, it's uh, some of the scenes flying through the city don't look as good. Uh, or maybe even, well, I, I can forgive like the first Spider-Man because it was what uh, 02. So looking back, it's yeah. it's hard to you know judge that with current special effects. I would have thought they would, but it just seems like they hadn't improved uh, from then until now. And in fact, that shouldn't be the case. But yeah, like the yeah. the cab hanging up on the end, I thought looked not great. For instance, mm. oh, oh, if we're gonna go through that the CGI, trust me, we'll get. I got plenty to say about that. <laughs> well, we got the cast first. Um, uh, start off with the start off with the returning actors. Um, yeah. Okay, we're gonna have to talk about it. We may as well get it out of the way. Cool emo Peter Parker was so cringe that. <laughs> As cringe to God, I was convinced. Because Sam Raimi's not a dummy. I was convinced. Sam Raimi knows this is bad. Oh, yeah. He said that he didn't like this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes me wonder why he made it. (laughs) The whole whole scene with the piano bar and... (laughs) Like, I just... the, the The Saturday Night Fever strut, it's like... I felt like... It crossed to me like Toby Maguire was just like, "This is stupid. I'm gonna chew the scenery up." <laughs> well, good. Thank God for that because it's one of the yeah. things that saves this movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this. I mean, it's it's bad when the cartoon from the '90s does a better job of because when Peter Parker bonds with the Venom suit uh, in the cartoon, he becomes like a he he kind of becomes like a dickhead. Like <laughs> in this one he becomes like a douche and it just didn't really work for me, honestly. 
Um, and ironically yeah. enough, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, that was about it. <laughs> oh, ironically enough, there are scenes where Peter is a complete jerk and the and the Venom suit has nothing to do with it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like his, like, you know, Mary Jane gets fired and it's like, well, you know, what Spider-Man would do in this situation. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes yeah. girls just want you to say that sucks. Let's get drunk on wine or something. I mean. Peter probably wouldn't be Mary Jane's friends, but not even that, but just like try not being narcissistic for like 15 minutes, dude. I I get it. You get it, dude. Happy, but not everybody is as happy as you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. Did any returning actors besides Peter or yeah, Tobey Maguire, stand out as really bad or really good in this otherwise? Uh, James Franco yeah. is at his worst here. <laughs> he was I thought he was I thought he was pretty in Spider Man one he was just okay. Nothing to really write home about because they didn't really give him much. Spider Man two, I think they did a pretty good job with him. That that scene where he gets drunk and he's angry because he just lost a bunch of money because of Spider Man and he's conflicted because his best friend makes a living off of Spider-Man, but he loves his best friend. He's one of the last people he has left. That's That was fine. The look he gave Peter when Peter was trying to get the information on where Doc's lab is, and he just literally says, Peter, you killed my father? That was good stuff. I, I appreciate that. Then we get to this movie, and we get the I know that face type of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate saying anything bad about James Franco. He's great, but I think the problem is the goof. Like, they not only gave him amnesia, which we'll get to that, but they gave him, like, hey, not only have you lost your memory, you are kind of like happy-go-lucky. And it's like, (laughs) what? Like, that's... So, I don't know. If that was the direction, then, hey... Great job, but maybe he should have said, this sucks, let's do something else. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but it just didn't work for me. Uh, he didn't really have a chance to really get going with any, you know, it's like he's Green Goblin, then he's immediately, you know, dumb Harry. Um, the one scene I will say I loved him in was when he told Peter, and he's like, I'm the other guy. And then he gives him that look behind and then for some reason <laughs> vanishes, which is he vanishes behind like the speeding bus trope goes by and then he's gone. It's like, why did they no, do no, that? No. But <laughs> he, uh, the coffee shop scene, I loved him in the way that guy in the background looked into the left makes me think he just hid behind the wall where <laughs> he just like immediately <laughs> got up and just like dine and dashed or something like that. And the guy's like, what, <laughs> what the hell was that? Have you ever Behind seen that uh, Dave Chappelle uh, clip where he's knocking over the water and he just runs out of the room? That's oh, the yeah. first thing they can find. <laughs> uh, let's get to the new people, <laughs> I guess. I was just going to say, I'd like to think, rather than, you know, dining and dashing or hiding behind a wall, I'd like to think he just, like, got under the table. Bad or... <laughs> <laughs> I will say they when they like how's the, how's the pie? He's like, oh, so good. Again, I like the, <laughs> the coffee shop scene was was really good, but that's really the only time he had to shine in the movie. It was, 
know. <laughs> it was the shittiest of shit eating grins, man. Uh, like I have never I have never seen a better shit eating grin than what we saw there. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, we really only have like two or three people. Uh-huh. So, what about uh Thomas Hayden Church as Flint Marco, the Sandman? I mean, I like Thomas Hayden Church, but like Flint Marco was kind of lame. <laughs> a very a very dry performance. Uh-huh. Dry oh, as sand. I, I just I just realized what I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. Um but but yeah, he did, he he didn't really register a lot of emotions like that. The one scene that really gets home is a scene where he's not even really there. <laughs> I think I know what you mean. <laughs> um I don't understand why Sandman was in this movie. Um, he's not even a high-profile Spider-Man villain. I don't even think he ever appeared in the animated series in the 90s, which is going to be a lot of your fan base. Um, so I think they entirely included the Sandman just to drudge up the Peter, you killed your uncle guilt yeah, thing and that, again. And, and that sucked. That was like so yeah. forced and yeah, mm-hmm. I just Sandman, and also Sandman is just like a normal guy being sand, a little goofy, but I can accept it in this particular universe that gave us Doctor Octopus and Spider Man and Green Goblin, big giant sand monster. No, I'm out. Like that's you, you've taken it to to a level of, of of goofiness that is like not the Sam Raimi universe. It's just like let's just crank it up a little more. And it's like no. Too stupid. Like, <laughs> Spider-Man does not fight big kaijus. Like, that just, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, the other guy. Topher Grace, Eddie Brock, slash Venom. So, if this makes any sense to you, I liked Topher Grace as Eddie Brock. I think he pulled off the role of unlikable douchebag very well, which is kind of surprising because if you've seen that 70s show... He's very meek as Foreman. Well, don't forget, he did play David Duke. (laughs) When did he play David Duke? Black Klansman. I'm sorry, I've not seen it. Really? It's on my list, but I hadn't even known that. Is that a Spike Lee joint? I don't think so. I forget who made it, but I don't think it was a Spike Lee joint. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, I thought he pulled off the role of unlikable douche. No, it was well. a Spike Lee joint. I stand corrected. The I, I feel like it was a weird choice to have uh, when he was in the Venom suit to have it just be his normal voice. In my opinion, like I think they made a better choice with these recent Venom releases back in 2018 and next week. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. He did okay as Eddie Brock. The problem with this, first off, we've talked about this before, like in the Batman movies, where it's like, if you're going to have a team up, you know, Penguin, Catwoman, they could get along. I could see that. Two-Face Riddler, they could get along. Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy, no, that doesn't work. Venom and Sandman is maybe the most random team up of villains I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> and... And then when you add in Green Goblin, it's like three villains. That's just too much. And Venom deserves his own movie. 
he was barely in this. It just, I don't know. None, none of the I, villains got enough time, and yeah, this was, uh, this was, this didn't work for me. Of the three villains, and I technically count uh, Brock as a fourth one because the Venom is technically its own character. So out of the three mm-hmm. to four villains that we get, the only one who has been properly built up is James Franco's Harry Osborn. We understand his motivation. We understand why he's conflicted because the person he loves like a brother is the person he believes is directly responsible for the death of his father. And there's a lot of, of story that could be told exclusively with that and could carry an entire movie. Yeah, I've got uh, I've actually not got one but two uh, ideas I had to improve this movie because when we complain about something, we offer solutions. So I've got a couple ideas. Uh, one with Venom, one without. Uh, I would prefer to do the one without because I think Venom deserves his own movie. But I, I think you need to finish off the Harry Osborn storyline before you get into Venom. Uh, Sam Raimi felt differently, but also sometimes studios are like, we need Venom, put Venom in the movie, do it, you have to. So just in case, I threw a, I threw one in for Venom as well, although neither of my movies have Sandman in there because Sandman sucks. Sorry, Sandman fans. It's a good song, but... I guess uh, we'll be jumping to the plot. That is a great idea. All righty. So the movie begins with Peter talking about how great, he, uh, great his life is. Everybody loves Spider-Man. He's doing well in school. He's in love with Mary Jane. Uh, she's starring in a play on Broadway. But also at the play, because they're there, and Peter's like such a dork. He's like, that's my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in at the play uh, in the in the in the opera box, Harry's sitting there just brooding, like using his opera glasses <laughs> to look at Peter. <laughs> this is good. Um, yeah. After, was... Yeah. After the play, Peter tries to talk with Harry. Harry just kind of blows him off. Don't want to deal with him. And yeah. Harry goes back home, and he had quite the evening. He just decided, I'm gonna. Take the goblin formula, and we see him exiting the Green Goblin chamber. Uh, so he's now the new Green Goblin, just like that. Yeah. And fun fact about the movie, he, at no point is he ever called Green Goblin. In fact, in the credits, he is listed as New Goblin. Yeah. I don't think they use the word Venom in this movie either. I thought he was the Hobgoblin. That's that's the easy next step, but for whatever reason, they just called him New Oh, Hobgoblin well, they, is they listed uh, him as... Black Cat's fiance, but we didn't get to uh, that movie. <laughs> so during a uh, Peter and MJ makeout session in the park, a meteor lands in the park and out comes some black goo, which is uh, latches to Peter's bag as they ride off. Quite the not how Venom is supposed to debut. <laughs> it's actually very cool, at least from what I remember. It. John Jameson's on the moon. He discovers Venom. It gets into their spaceship. They crash in the Hudson River, and Spider-Man rescues the astronauts. Then gets the Venom on them. That's slightly better, but uh, sure, Meteor, Central Park. Which, which would have been fine because we already established uh, his son, the astronaut, in the previous film. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that's, by the way, uh, so I don't have to repeat. Look. 
Yeah. Well, in my in my Venom movie, uh, that would be the origin, the correct origin, not this. Mm-hmm. So real quick, as far, okay, and going back to the second one, as far as like my son, the astronaut. Okay, that was, <laughs> lazy. That was lazy. What's even lazier? Is Eddie Brock coming up out of nowhere while Gwen Stacy's in the air? Hey, that's Gwen Stacy. I'm Eddie Brock. I'm dating Gwen Stacy. You're George Stacy. That's your daughter. <laughs> Exposition. Oh, you think that's bad? Do you realize I actually took notes of around certain timestamps? The all the villains are introduced in ten minutes. Amazing. Well, <laughs> all but one. Um, Amazing. I, uh, but um. Uh, there's there's a ton of coincidences in this movie, and I know a few episodes ago I said I'm okay with some coincidences because of the the bumping into the same people in New York that uh, we shared a cab with, you know, big coincidence there, but this movie is just nothing but. So we'll start with the first one, Meteor just happens to land right next to Peter in the Central Park, and so, okay. Then we have Flint Marco running from the cops. He's an escaped convict, and he returns home to see his daughter. And we kind of gather that she's sick, and he was stealing money to pay for an operation. Uh, maybe get a job, you bum. Yep. Yeah, get a job, you bum. Everyone's hiring. You don't uh, go out dressed like that, do you? <laughs> On a weekday? Yeah, he's dressed like Freddy Krueger. Yes, there you <laughs> uh, go. So Peter shows up at Aunt May's, tell her, tells her he's going to ask Mary Jane to marry him. Uh, I did. This was probably my favorite bit of acting in the movie was Rosemary Harris's Aunt May, uh, mm-hmm. where she's telling him about how Ben proposed. And I just loved, even though it's many, you know, it's what like five, six years ago. Uh, the character kind of gets choked up talking about Ben. I was like, oh, that was a nice touch. I liked that. But then she gives yeah. Peter the old ring, tells it to give this to Mary Jane. So, Peter's on his way home, and he's attacked by Tony Hawk. No. What? Green Goblin on his uh, skateboard glider, or surfboard, or whatever the hell. <laughs> and really quickly, before we get on to the next point, when I, when I rewatched the movie today, um, I kind of look at this scene as the completion from Spider-Man 2, because as you know... Peter finally tells Aunt May that he's responsible in some way for Uncle Ben's death. She doesn't necessarily say, I I forgive you, like most people would expect. But she says he's brave for telling her the truth. But I think when she gives him the ring, it kind of symbolizes that they've they've officially moved past it and that there's nothing else left there. Which in some ways I think is also done to... Make it seem like it's not going to be much of a point going forward, only to ultimately bring it back with the introduction of Flint. I'm glad yeah, you said that. Like, you, yeah, you mentioned all that, and yeah, and how moving that scene could be, and you know the subtext involved, and then two minutes later, it's oh hey, we're back at the police station, yeah. and oh we got one guy, sort of. Yeah, it's uh, it's like in wrestling when a feud's been going on forever and it's over, and they're like. We're, we're doing it again. Like, oh, God. <laughs> CM Punk versus Randy Orton. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> Enough said. So Harry and Peter fight around the city. Peter nearly loses the ring, but ultimately the fight ends when Peter uses the web to clothesline Harry off the glider, sends him tumbling down to the alley, hitting every pipe and staircase along the way. 
Yeah, thank God he took that uh, goblin serum. Yeah, I didn't um, mind the uh, the surfboard glider though. Yeah, it, it looked pretty cool. I just wish that the, the problem with his outfit and overall design is that a lot of what we had seen before it was pretty much on the nose and somewhat campy. Uh, with the exception of the Green Goblin, whose suit was just the best way to describe that is Power Rangers esque. Then you got Doctor Octavius, and that one's a, taken a little bit more serious because because it's just a mechanical arm, just no crazy suit, it's just a jacket under over it. But with this one, it feels like it's being too serious for a character that's too ridiculous. Like it's a it's a ter- it's a man terrorizing people riding on a flying hoverboard. <laughs> that's true. You don't have that's not the part you take serious. Yeah, I I mean, I could go either way. I prefer the old glider myself, but uh, anyway, Peter, also, take. Oh, go ahead. I'm I'm sorry. Like the to me the worst choice they made. And I get it, like, oh, James Franco, he's a hunk, whatever, but, like, put a mask on him. Agree. He's the Green Goblin. Yeah. They he's literally a- glided In the scene where he becomes the Green Goblin, or takes the, fo- the formula, they literally glide over a secondary mask that you would think he was going to use, then they mm-hmm. pass that ugly-looking one that he has. It's just, yep. it's just a, a what, it's basically what somebody would be wearing right now. Yeah. For yeah. entirely yeah. different reasons. So uh, Peter takes Harry to the hospital. He's still alive, but he'll need to rest. And uh, here we go. Cut to the police tracking down Flint and the marshland. He escapes <laughs> when he falls down a hole full of sand. And here's coincidence uh, one and two, or sorry, two and three. Uh, he's, he falls into this hole just as this experiment is about to start. Thank God. What great timing. And the scientists... <laughs> Another coincidence, they don't have a view of the experiment, like a viewing window like you would expect, so that's lucky. Or even a thermal uh, view. No, they just have like a big scale because they did notice a weight change, uh, but they just assume it's it's a bird, and it'll fly away when the machine starts. It's just a 240-pound bird, you guys. (laughs) I wrote that too. I'm like, do birds normally weigh 225 pounds? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, all these great coincidences later, and Flint is swallowed up in the machine and turns into sand, and the police can't find him. Mm-hmm. So. So would you say this is the part where we uh, enter Sandman? Uh, yes. Ah, ah. So we cut to another huge coincidence. Harry has memory loss. Oh, what, what great luck! Now we can just kind of like shift the character with a lazy plot point of amnesia. So Peter meets with Harry, and I thought, you know, this would actually be interesting if Harry was pretending, but no, they really gave him amnesia. He was <laughs> well, not. It would be amazing if he did. Yeah, that would be because, really. Because he you recognizes know. that he can't beat Spider-Man in a fight, but what he one thing he can do is hurt him emotionally. Yeah, and make smart him. him. Right. But no, we're going with amnesia. Yeah. Which, yeah. It's, it's so hot right now. Yeah. So <laughs> we do cut to one of the few good moments of the movie, and I think this is what you were alluding to, where Sandman emerges from the pit of sand, and I actually thought it was well shot, where Flint's like realizing what he's become, 
and you kind of feel sorry for him as he's like breaking apart and like he reaches for the pendant uh, or the locket from his daughter which by the way why didn't that turn to Sam when all his clothes did (laughs) but uh, it's like he can't grab it and he just his hand goes through it I thought that was really well done but uh, that's all the praise I'll give this movie (laughs) Um, I've watched I've watched that scene a few times, and I never noticed the overall CGI being used. But when upon me watching it today, I really got a good chance to just look at it, and it's essentially straight out. It looks essentially straight out of Pixar, but that's another scenario where the actual animation doesn't necessarily matter because the emotion at hand is what's really driving the scene. And just like you said earlier, you see how he how he's contemplating what just happened to him, recognizing that he still has something he needs to do, regardless of what he's become through shield willpower, manifesting his hands and the rest of his body. It's it's a great scene. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I mean, it's still the fact that this character exists in the same universe as Dr. Octopus, I don't know. He's just, to me, it's just, Sandman doesn't translate great to film, but at least this scene was, was well done, but we'll get to more where he doesn't. So, <laughs> cut to Mary Jane, who, uh, I forgot I even wrote this, but it's actually making me laugh. I wrote, cut to Mary Jane, who, as usual, gets a bad review for her performance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I wrote that, but that's pretty funny. Uh, um, Mary Jane oh. really should have gone to acting college, uh, school. I don't understand why she didn't. Oh, hey, I forgot to uh, do the Jenny Blake standard. It's Mary Jane. She's toward the bottom. Yeah. Also, can we acknowledge the fact that she she talked about doing acting, and then it shifts in this movie to basically singing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, which we never see her do at all in any of the previous films. Yeah, she's uh, she's good enough for a church choir. <laughs> but I would agree with the, I mean, I would agree with the movie review. I think you can find better singers. And um, and of course, Peter, upon hearing this, is like, yeah, that sucks. But hey, you know how I dealt with this as Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I will say this was actually this could have been good where it's like because you know the last movie ended where you know MJ's in her wedding dress she chose Peter over uh, John and you know she knows he's Spider-Man and the police scanner goes off and she's like go get him Tiger which is like basically saying I understand the life I've chosen and I'm okay with that well it's like now it's like what if I'm not okay with it? What if I need you to, you know, because I got fired and it's humiliating. You know, I'd rather you be here with me. And instead, it's like they don't really dive into that much, which that could have been interesting. But they, uh, it's like the one scene we get of it. So enjoy it. Yeah. One of the big problems with this uh, overall movie, it doesn't it try. I guess it tries its best to portray a relationship in the somewhat ups and downs and lack of communication, but the communication that it's, but the lack of communication in this movie is just glaringly bad to the point where a basic look, I don't, this is, I feel, I feel awful, et cetera, et cetera. 
would have done wonders instead of just, eh, he doesn't understand, I'm going to go home. Yeah, I would have uh, preferred diving into, like, Mary Jane, like, no longer being okay with all the time he takes a Spider-Man. Instead, they just spend the whole movie playing phone tag, and it's not, you know... Uh, anyway, the reason Peter had to leave is there's a crane malfunctioning and swinging a beam everywhere and nearly killing a supermodel named Gwen Stacy, who just stood at the window and watched it swing at her. Oh, that, 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 that those words, model Gwen Stacy, uh, do not sit well. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Not a... Yeah, it's like, what, Gwen Stacy didn't need to exist in this film. Yeah. Neither did the Sandman or Venom. But here we are, I guess, and we're at a over two hour runtime. But whatever. Yeah, and this is where we already mentioned Eddie Brock shows up. Hey, I'm Eddie Brock, dating your daughter, work for the Bugle, exposition. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, Eddie looked really concerned that his girlfriend was just like clinging onto the side of a building. As he takes pictures of it happening. Yeah, he's just like, oh, this will make a great shot, but. Yep. Uh, anyway, what a great coincidence that was, though. Eddie Brock just happens to be next to the police chief. Um, yeah. But yes, uh, Spider-Man saves Gwen, so... That's what Spider-Man does, man. Yeah. And I will say that the scene in which he saves her is pretty good. It's, it's not as good as some of the later movies in regards to all the dodging and bobbing and weaving that we see him do in a lot of cases. But it was pretty solid. Yeah. Also... I'm sorry, we forgot to mention that Gwen and uh, Peter are lab partners at the college, for what it's worth. Yeah. So, meanwhile, at the Daily Bugle, Jameson... Why was this in the movie? Jameson has some weird device rigged to his desk that violently shakes it when he gets mad. I don't... That was it was there for a laugh. That's it. it. It could have cut down on the runtime. Uh, anyway, Eddie's trying to sell him a Spider-Man photo... Eddie's similar to Peter, but he's not. He's kind of the opposite of Peter, in that if Peter were a kiss-ass, selfish, and a douche, which he soon will be, but that's... And a liar. Yeah. So, anyway, Jameson wants a photo of Spider-Man doing something illegal, and that's when, uh, right after we, they announce that there's a uh, job opening for a staff position, so you get a steady paycheck. And then we get our Stanley cameo where he tells Peter one person can make a difference. That was nice. Which I also like because a lot of times with these movies, there's a sense of duality. In Spider-Man 1, it's an origin story for Peter as Spider-Man, but it's also the origin of Norman Osborn as the Green Goblin. Spider-Man 2, it's the disowning of the superhero mantle from Peter, Spider-Man No More, and then Dr. Octavius's continue dissension into madness as the mechanical arms drive him to complete his experiment. But in this one, it's directly tied to just Mary Jane, where Peter is on the rise, MJ is on the downfall. And even though Peter is there and present, unlike how he was throughout most of Spider-Man 2, he's not understanding on the level that she needs him to. Mm-hmm. Which furthers the tension. Oh, yeah. that's... That's very much true. That's very um, astute analysis there, man. So Harry's back home. He tells Peter, I wish I could remember more about my dad, but also he still has the quick goblin reflexes, so that hasn't gone away. Yeah. 
Uh, we cut to Mary Jane. She walks in on the theater auditioning someone else for her part. Uh, and then she walks out of the... Th- this wait, was... they wouldn't call? <laughs> Apparently not. This was so funny. I laughed so hard at this. She gets, like, fired. And then she walks out of the theater. And then there's a crowd of people starts clapping. And she inexplicably thinks it's for her. <laughs> but it's actually Spider-Man just swinging by. <laughs> like, why would you think that's for you? Yeah, I, no wonder you're even there. That's a lack of self-awareness moment. Mm-hmm. It's like when someone waves at you and you wave back, and then you turn around, and then oh, they're waving at them. There was there was someone behind me. Yeah. Oh look, a Spider-Man One reference. Yeah. <laughs> so at the uh, there's a big Spider-Man appreciation event. I guess when you save a hot white girl, they give you the key to the city, even though he's done way more than this. <laughs> When they are the police chief's daughter, yes. I guess so. <laughs> Nothing for Mary Jane, though. He saved her twice. About to be three times. Um, then we see... Uh, we actually learn Gwen is not Eddie's girlfriend, as he said. It's uh, They had one date, and apparently it wasn't anything special, although Eddie thought it was. It was coffee. Yeah, I've had a few of those where I'm like, oh, this is going to be the one. <laughs> and there's no second date. So, Harry also shows up, and uh, Amnesia Harry is much nicer to MJ as she kind of flirts with him, and he's like, I wrote a play for you in high school. And it's like, oh, that's it's a cringy line. You're no, you're no playwright there, uh, Harry. Harry Harold Shakespeare. Osborne. Harry Shakespeare. Oh. So, meanwhile, the police see Flint walking around. They go after him, but he turns into a big sand monster. Not just goofy. He takes them all out, and Spider-Man's Again, the this movie. Yeah, it's afraid to just stay with one scene until it's complete. Yeah, it's it it jumps around a lot. So Spider-Man swings in for the uh, event. He does the upside down kiss to Gwen, even though he knew MJ was there. Kind of douchey. He's not Venom. And the, yet, so. like, it's not even like like. He actively encourages her to do so. She's like on the fence about it, and he's like, "Yeah, go ahead, lay one on me." Yeah. Well, like I said, Let's... this this is douchey's yeah. Peter before Venom, which makes no sense. Like, okay, let Peter doesn't throughout the movies. It's a he's a in the first movie he's a complete dork. So we and with most dorks, it comes the assumption that they're not all that experienced when it comes to dating. And just being in a relationship. That being said, he's not an idiot. So I don't buy for a second that he thinks kissing another woman is okay. It's not like he even just said, hey, give me one on the cheek. And she turned his head and went for one on the lips. No, 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 no. He active, as Caleb said, he actively said, go ahead, lay one on me. They'll love it. Yeah. What is, is he that lacking in self-awareness? I guess so. Um, I, I think his his hubris has reached like an all time high because he hasn't been challenged in God knows how long. Like since uh, apparently since Octavius showed up. That is yeah. that, that is what's implied. So uh, yeah. Uh, so where was I? Oh. Um, all this is happening, a big sand cloud shows up to rob an armored truck. 
Spider-Man uh, tries to stop Venom, but he's too much for him, and he gets sand in his shoe. I don't know. Uh, so later that night, Peter shows up at a restaurant, and Bruce Campbell's back. He's just all over this As city. The, he's he's the got all these different d- jobs. <laughs> Dude, he literally at one po- Okay, look. And, you know, I get it. Sam Raimi is not stupid. They were very on the nose about, like, okay, this is ridiculous. Because at one point he even says, I am French. Yeah. Maybe it's this like, literally supposed to be the same guy, just job hops. See, that would be awesome if that was the explanation. If, like, all of a sudden, like, he broke and you heard, like, that sounds like the wrestling announcer from the first one. <laughs> or the usher from the theater. Exactly, yeah. Hey, he's maintaining the illusion. Yes, fair. (laughs) So, yeah, Peter, uh, more lack of self-awareness, but he gives this guy a plan on how he's going to propose. Peter, uh, so MJ shows up. She's like, I don't feel much like celebrating. And uh, I love, like, cocky Peter. He's like, oh, how did that get there? Oh, don't cry. Like, he's already got it planned out. He's such a dork. (laughs) Uh, God, he's so, like... Man, he needs a fall because he's so unlikable right now. He really is. Or like when the marching band was going through and he's like mar- like play marching with them. That was like super uh, cringy. That's something yeah. that kids and drunk adults do. That's like dad uh, embarrassing his kids. Someone who's marched in a band. FYI. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, he, he Peter uses uh, an analogy from his life as Spider-Man, which is not something she wants to hear. Uh, Gwen is also there and asks Peter for a picture of her kiss with Spider-Man. Okay, uh, real quick. I know I've made one reference earlier, but I'm going to make another here. And you know, as much as, as Peter, when, when Mary Jane's like, oh, my life sucks, whatever, like I got fired and everything, and she's, you know, expressing her sadness, as often as Peter's like, well, you know, as Spider-Man, it's like if uh, you remember in The Big Lebowski, like, Every time Walter had a conversation with someone, Vietnam would get brought up somehow. Yeah. Like, like that's how Peter is with, well, you know, as Spider-Man, you know, when I'm Spider-Man, this such and such, that's basically what they got going on there. That same sort of thing. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> I, just, I don't see the connection to Spider-Man, Walter. Well, MJ's a bit jealous of uh, Gwen Stacy and... Uh with her kiss of uh, upside down Spider-Man. And I thought she had a fair reason to be. That was kind of their moment, which she brings up. Absolutely. And, uh, Peter decides this is the best time to propose, but MJ leaves before he does, which I, I kind of wish she didn't. So we could see more cringy Peter. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Have him propose. And she says, no, dude, or come just on. Like, let's talk later. <laughs> the yeah, whole band just stops playing, you know, Someone has a slide whistle. (laughs) (laughs) So Peter leaves a message for MJ, but he's called back, but not by Mary Jane, but by the police. And he and and Aunt May go down there, and what a coincidence. It was Flint Marco that killed Uncle Ben, not the thief from the wrestling show. (sighs) Just completely unnecessary. (laughs) It's all I wrote about that. Yeah. It was... uh, Oh, Joker killed your parents, actually. But actually <laughs> worse. Yes. And Peter asks why they were never told about this after two years. And 
The police chief just says, settle down, and doesn't seem to answer this totally legitimate question. So, we don't learn. (laughs) It's just like, okay, back at the apartment. Yeah. Uh, So MJ shows up, they talk briefly, but uh, Peter spends the night ignoring his police scanner and falls asleep. And hey, remember that black goo from before? Well, it's back, and it latches on to Peter, finally. I would also like to point out that MJ is there to support him. She's not even trying to talk about things she brought up that night. She just wants to be there for him. And Peter, again, without the symbiote suit, is a jerk. I don't need your help. I'm okay. I'm good. Well, now he can actually start being a jerk because he has the new black Spider-Man suit. And he's hanging upside down from a building. You notice oh, wait. So why has it got to be a jerk with the black Spider-Man suit? Uh, because the color of the suit was black, Caleb. Well, okay, wow, that's, wow, dude. Wow. Have any of you actually seen the uh, the initial design that they were trying to bring life? Because if I remember correctly, they were going to try to uh, give him the actual Venom suit from the comics. But I think they said that it looked a little too spandexy and, if I remember correctly, porn-like. <laughs> I, I didn't mind this he- suit. That is a very legitimate concern. I just Googled Black Spider-Man suit, and uh, each of these all look a little gimpy. Yeah, I mean, it's cool in the comics, but I don't know how it would translate to film. Yeah. I prefer what they did. Yeah, yeah they did. And then he, he just takes the sample of the goo to the professor who tells him it's a symbiote and it bonds and feeds off the host and it might be tough to unbond and it's very dangerous and all this is something the new movies will completely ignore. <laughs> Even though it's you like know, the, the main part of Venom. <laughs> who cares? Also, uh, he's a he's a physicist, not a biologist. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he's about to be a supervillain if they had another movie. So, back at Peter's, he hears about Marco robbing a bank. And on the way there, he uh, destroys Eddie Brock's camera. So, eh, whatever. And Marco's walking off with a bag of money in the subway. And I was wondering, how much money does he need for this operation? He's already robbed an armored truck, and now he's robbed a bank. $69,420. Well, look. I know that, you know, people have their critiques of the, the healthcare system, but uh, this dude's probably robbed well over a million dollars for this operation. I don't know of any operation that costs that much. You um, sure this is all for your daughter? Well, you know, it costs money to be on the run, I guess. Mm, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, so Spider-Man... steak every night? I guess. <laughs> so Spider-Man shows up and... Ask Marco about Uncle Ben. He doesn't really have an answer, and Spider-Man just beats him up and knocks him into like a water pipe, and he turns all soggy and floats off into this pipe. So he's <laughs> dead. I wish, but not really. Good God, it killed him. <laughs> he thought he did. Oh my God, man! Well, back at the apartment, uh, Peter yells at his landlord, even though he's behind on rent. So it's don't like, say the quote. Don't say the quote. <laughs> okay, I won't. Don't say it. I'm not going to say it, but I'm just saying, like, this is an example of Peter being a dick, but it's like... Absolutely. I guess, but... It is still hilarious. The landlord forgives him. Yeah. 
and his daughter makes him cookies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also makes his hair all emo, which is a very oh disappointing choice. So, uh, not not quite yet. Not quite yet. When he, he changes goes, hair, it is so like a, a product of the time. Like that is 2006 all over. Yeah. Yeah. So like, Peter, uh, he's gonna go to his one bedroom or his studio, and he's gonna listen to AFI as he cries himself to sleep. <laughs> Uh, mass murder, miss murder. Sorry. Yep. Uh, murder. So, yep. So Peter then tells May, uh, Spider-Man killed Marco, and she's not like that happy about it. So, uh, meanwhile, after taking a job as a singing waitress, MJ calls Harry. Um, so Harry has MJ over, and they cook and dance to the twist. But then Harry ruins the food. But it's fine because I think the Green Goblin can afford to buy more bacon. I was going to say, I thought, uh, I knew it was either the twist or freaking uh, shout from Animal House, but mm. thank you for the clarification. You just completely ignored my uh, this is the end reference, but that's okay. Uh, I haven't seen ah, ah. <laughs> You haven't seen this it. is the end? I've seen parts of it, but I have not seen it in full. It is pretty oh, funny, dude. You need to watch it. Fantastic. It's uh, James Franco at his best. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I know the basic concept of it, but... It's James right. and Seth back when they were friends, before Seth turned his back on James just because of a few accusations, which I'm pretty sure aren't true. Maybe. Who knows? So, Harry and MJ then kiss, but she regrets it and leaves. Yeah. But yeah, that's a line in the movie. Um He's like, it's fine. I think the Green Goblin can afford to buy more bacon. <laughs> so Harry goes into his dad's office and he suddenly remembers everything. That's great. Now that we don't need that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I thought like for the longest time up until this rewatch, I had misremembered it as him pretending to have amnesia, which makes more sense. That would have been good. <laughs> but... Yeah, no, I guess he just doesn't have amnesia. But he did, but he doesn't anymore. We just had to go into the office, and that'll fix it. Yep, exactly. So MJ goes back home, and she's about to answer uh, when Peter calls, but Harry shows up as Green Goblin and tells her to do something for him. So MJ calls Peter to meet him at the park, and in a storyline lifted straight out of Legend of Zorro, if you're wondering, that's the bad one, uh, Harry has MJ break up with Peter. Which... This is the stupidest. It's not. It's one of the stupidest things in the movie. But it's the one that irritates me the most because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. First things first. He's not holding a gun on you. He doesn't have a bomb planted on you. There is no physical threat to you. In fact, the only physical threat is to Peter Parker who's Spider-Man, and I think he can handle the Green Goblin considering where the first one is. Second, again, he's not force-feeding her lines. He's not telling her exactly what to say. So this conversation is open and free. There is no danger. There is no problem. All she has to do is say, um, Harry, Os uh, Harry is gone mad. He, tra he strangled me and held me up against the wall today. Go beat him up. And the problem is solved. 
I believe we made that same point in Legend of Zorro when, like, these two losers are telling Catherine Zeta-Jones to break up with, uh, uh, you know, Antonio Banderas. And Caleb and I both agreed, just tell him, my husband Zorro, he'll murder both of you. Like, yeah. Mary Jane, just tell Peter exactly what you just said, Simon, and uh, this will all be fixed. Exactly. They don't even have to, like... Like, yeah, Mary Jane could just tell him, and he just kind of, I don't know, plays Harry for the fool? Like, this, pretends to be heartbroken? I don't know. Like This is also a good point time to reference the fact that Mary Jane asked Peter what's going on with her, with him and Harry, which automatically means that he hasn't even told her the situation yet. That's true, and it would be one thing if she didn't know that he would inspire me, but she does. So, what's the secret? I don't know. I, I have no clue. I, there's so, no way that slipped your mind, considering that your friend had a knife to your throat. Yeah. Well, MJ does it. She breaks up with Peter, mentions there's another guy. Peter meets with Harry at the uh, at a cafe, and Peter had no idea that she was fired from her play and that she now works as a singing waitress. And he's like, oh, there's another guy. He's like, that's hey, just it, Peter. What? I'm the I other guy. Say, like, yeah, but, like, she didn't tell him. Like, at all. And Peter is mostly to blame for that, I'm not going to lie. But at the end of the day, like, she should have opened up. She should have. She should have, you know, answered his calls earlier. But then it's also, you know, Peter loves to change the subject to Spider-Man. So mm-hmm. kind of hard to tell yeah. him. So, Peter shows up at Harry's house, they fight, Peter uh, beats him pretty easily, Harry tries to toss a pumpkin bomb at him, but uh, Peter just deflects it, sends it back at Harry, and uh, badly burns his face. That's probably the worst, uh, as far as the, the, the me- I guess the meanest thing that he does is Venom, but, eh, I mean, Harry did lob it at him, so... Uh, the next yeah. day, Peter sees a newspaper cover, and it's, you know, the black Spider-Man robbing a bank. And he shows up at the uh, Bugle the next day, tells Brock he knows the photo is fake. I guess we're supposed to feel bad for Eddie, because he's like, if you do this, I'll, I'll lose everything. But Wait, it's like, why Why should I feel bad for him? I didn't. It's like, you're clearly well, in the wrong. You're promoting fake news. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. No room for fake news or plagiarism or ah Eddie Brock sucks. Why should I feel bad for him at all? Not saying what, what Peter does good here. It's like coming from a bad place, but at the same time, I don't blame him. Yeah. So, uh, Brock gets fired. Uh, they print a retraction and, uh, uh, Peter gets the staff job. He goes into now full douche mode and here's what I didn't understand. Like, some of the women are repulsed by him with his goofiness on the street. <laughs> but then, like, I forget her name. Uh, the secretary of Joe uh, Jameson, she's, like, into him. Gwen Stacy's yeah. into him. Like, so are all women turned off by Or, like, some? Like, I would think they should all be turned off by him. He's a complete weirdo. So, I don't know. That was weird. Uh, meanwhile... Sandman manages to pull himself back together. Peter then takes Gwen to the jazz club where MJ works. Buckle up. 
So MJ gets on stage to sing, and Peter, who apparently can play the piano, starts playing the piano and does this big elaborate dance number with Gwen. And after the Gwen, or sorry, after the dance, Gwen is like, oh, that was all for her? And it's like, well, yes, you knew she worked there before the dance, and you went along with it until the end, so shut up, Gwen. But, yes, just, I, I don't know. This isn't, this isn't Venom. I don't know what this is. This is some abomination of a movie. Yeah. So, Peter's then told off by MJ, and some bouncers show up. He beats them up, but accidentally, you know, shoves down Mary Jane. So, there you go. There's a re. I know we didn't do history with the movie. There's a reason I've uh, only seen this once, and that was in theater. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw it once as a teenager, actually, and. Wasn't impressed then. No, I I, I liked it more when I watched it the first time, but then as time went on, I was like, that was stupid, Eddie. You shouldn't have liked this, and I've learned better. Nice, nice. So so what you're saying is you gave into peer pressure. <laughs> no, I just wised up. Mm, sure. So Spider-Man goes to a church tower, and what a coincidence. Eddie's at the same church. All the churches yeah. in Manhattan. They just happen to be the same. You know, he's such a humble guy. He he goes to church and says, it's Brock, sir. Eddie Brock. Yeah, Eddie he, Brock Jr. Yes, and he is praying to God to kill Peter Parker, which I don't so, think is how okay. prayer works. Uh. It is if he's praying specifically to the Old Testament God. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, let me know. So in the comics, so actually in the um, in the cartoon, this is exactly what happens The with Eddie in the church. Actually, he's trying to get photos of Spider-Man, but he's not there praying to kill Peter. In the comics, Eddie is actually in the church to beg God for forgiveness because he's planning on killing himself. So, a little darker. Uh, movie probably should have done that. But, uh, you know. they. Uh, this was PG-13 rating? Yeah. But, you know. That's probably going to get them an R. <laughs> hey. I mean, look. If you, if you really honed in on how Brock's life was made... Like, all that happened is he lost a job and a girl he wound out with once uh, didn't want to see him again. That's not that big of a deal. But if you really, like in the cartoon, he loses his job, he gets evicted, and like at the same time, he's also like coming down with like uh, the flu. So like he's just having this horrible week. So you could do something similar, kind of maybe give it a couple more things, and then you could be like, yes, uh, please forgive me, I'm going to off myself. But uh, the bell rings in the church tower, and... Peter's, like, ripping the suit off, but the uh, high frequency of the bell, Venom doesn't like that, so it falls off, drips onto Eddie below, which, again, in the comics, the Venom suit senses his depression, so it goes toward him. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, this scene of the uh, suicide is pretty much uh, how it all goes down in the comics. Uh, problem well, is, we're one hour and 45 minutes into the movie, and 33 minutes left, 
credits included, and we're just now introducing our third villain. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost oh, like they God. didn't need to do three villains in one movie or something. <laughs> yeah, crazy. They didn't even need two. Yeah. I think that was, uh, I mentioned that last time where I read a review where it's like, they need to have th- uh, two villains in the next Spider-Man movie. It's like, mm. no, they didn't. So, May shows up at Peter's, and... It's like, hey, I never heard what happened between you and MJ. And Peter says, I wasn't ready. I heard her. Then we cut to an alley. And Venom tracks down Sandman. And we get our super random team up. As they both agree to kill Spider-Man. So, MJ then takes a cab. But the driver is Eddie Brock. So, for the third straight movie, MJ needs rescuing in the climax. How original. So MJ's in the cab, tied up in all this web, and Spider-Man, or sorry, Sandman is holding off the police as a giant sand monster. Just ridiculous. Um, Harry, who is now badly scarred, watches the news as Peter shows up and uh, asks for his help, and Harry declines. Peter leaves. Suddenly, gotta have one more coincidence. Harry's butler shows up, and he's just like, "Hey, um." <laughs> Hey, by the way, that news, I've been holding on to this for a few years, but by the way, Peter didn't kill, Spider-Man didn't kill your dad. Yeah, he died by his own hand, I'm sure of it. Okay, bye. Why, why wait? You're fired. He waited. It doesn't make sense. Here's what I would have done, because again, I don't complain without offering solutions. Maybe Harry's just like, alright, I'll see what Peter was talking about. Maybe the glider had a camera in it, and you could he could be like, I've never checked this before, and he checks it, and then he see. I mean, it's kind of lame, but it's better than the butler being like, hey, uh, I meant to tell you, uh, Spider-Man didn't kill your dad, uh, your dad killed your dad. Sorry. Actually, they filmed a much better version of this without the butler at all, and it's just based off of Harry's motivations. He, It's after uh, Peter leaves... He looks at a picture with him, Mary Jane, and Peter, and he just decides to go do it. That's it. I like that better than my idea. (laughs) He literally just stares at it for a while, then he gets choked up a little, he gets the serious face, and then he gets up. That's all you need. Well, Spider-Man shows up at this construction site and tries to save Mary Jane until Venom shows up to stop him. Uh, Spider-Man goes back to rescue her when Sandman turns. This is where he's the big, goofy, giant sand monster. Uh, Venom then pins Spider-Man to a beam where Sandman just pounds on his chest. But who should make the save but the Green Goblin? Sorry, New Goblin. And they team up and get MJ to safety, and eventually the glider missiles break apart Sandman, and he just crumbles. So uh, Spider-Man goes after Venom. And after Harry falls and knocks over a bunch of pipes, uh, Peter sees it like, hey, the loud banging from the pipes hurt Venom. I was kind of, you know, it's like, hey, that's like the bell. It made the suit easier to rip off when the bell started ringing. So he figures out that uh, the symbiote is weakened by high frequency. Uh, Harry then takes a spear shot for Peter, killing him. Well, not yet, but he will be. so Peter then traps Venom inside this cage of pipes and then bangs on all of them, uh, pulling Eddie out of the suit. Peter then lobs a pumpkin bomb at the suit, but Eddie jumps back into the suit and blows up along with the Venom. So, what a dumb... Yeah. <laughs> like, I get it. Like, yeah, Eddie Brock was a dude who was an idiot, 
but like to be so narcissistic to be like, no, I need to somehow save this symbiote. Like what? Yeah, he tossed a bomb in there, dude. <laughs> exactly. It's gonna explode. <laughs> yeah, it'll like... turn. It'll turn you into a skeleton. I've seen it before. It's not good. Well, it did. Yep. So uh, Sandman shows up and tells Peter, uh, "My daughter was dying. I needed the money. I told your uncle all I wanted was the car. Then my partner was running over with the cash, and the gun was in my hand." And he doesn't really explain why he actually pulled the trigger. <laughs> he just like, uh, it was in my hand, and uh, I like well, I shot the old bastard. What do you want? Here's the thing. There's, there's convenient, and then there's your line. Yeah. I like to imagine that Sandman isn't lying, and uh, what's the the guy who robbed the uh, wrestling promoter uh, like nudged uh, Flint? And Flint accidentally shot Uncle Ben. Yeah, or they could do That's like the other worse. guy, like grabbed his hand and is like, "No witnesses" or something like that, and just like <laughs> pulled the trigger for. I mean, it's better than just, "Oh, uh, the gun was in my hand," and uh... <laughs> you know, when in Rome. Uh, so Sandman's like, "I don't want your forgiveness. I just want you to understand." Even though he didn't really explain himself, uh, Peter says, "I've done terrible things too." Like be in this movie, but I forgive you. And Sandman blows away into a cloud of sand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Peter goes to Harry and apologizes to Harry and calls him his best friend, and then Harry dies. We get uh, the Peter Parker cry face that you've all seen all over the internet. Cut to a funeral <laughs> so of Harry. At this point, it's, it's, it's redundant. Yes. Uh, cut to a funeral of Harry and Peter. Says we always can choose to do what's right. And then Peter also visits MJ at the Jazz Club. They hug. Roll credits. So, so wait. So they they just hugged at the Jazz Club, and that's it. Yeah, I wrote. Uh, you know, I know Andrew Garfield's. I don't know if he's uh, trying to work work the audience or if he's legit, but he swears he's not in the new No Way Home. I do hope Tobey Maguire is in the new No Way Home movie. Uh, I just feel like. This trilogy, even though this one was not good, Tobey Maguire needs a proper ending. Like, we, we didn't finish the story, you know? They just, they had this movie, they were going to do a fourth, it sounded like it was probably going to be bad, but I, you know, give me some closure on Tobey Maguire. That's all I ask. Yeah, as up and down as this movie is, it's kind of weird that it ends on a subtle note. Yeah, did they get married or not? That's all I really want to know. Um, so I guess, yeah, I guess that uh, is. Yeah, that's it, man. We're done. Okay. Well, look, I enjoyed the cheese of this film, but uh, the meat was rancid. It was not good. Mm-mm. I'm gonna give it a very polite five out of ten. All right. Um. Why don't you go, Simon? I have uh, a bit to say. <laughs> okay. Let's flip through the old notes here. Um, I do like the fact that we got to see Peter's progression from being a nobody to being somebody who can't maintain a balance and then being somebody who's admired by people and is doing all right for himself. I appreciate that they can see that character arc but that being said, they put way too many characters into this movie 
The plots are all over the place. The character interactions are sometimes they're perfect, sometimes they're wooden. And also, the CGI for a lot of this is not that great. And overall, after watching this film, I enjoyed myself because it's it's good. It's a mix of good writing and bad and just bad moments. That being said, the bad moments outweigh the good moments for throughout the majority of the film. And if I had to watch any other Spider-Man movie, with the exception of one, I would probably enjoy myself a lot better. So with this. I would give Spider-Man the Spider-Man three probably like a five out of ten, like Caleb. Okay, dang near four sometimes. <laughs> it's funny because you know when I um, fill out the sheets, the Google sheet, I will try to guess what other people predict of this. I had you ri- or you know predict how other people rate this. And I had you written down as four, so to know I was close, I, I take a little bit of solace in that. I think the only reason I can't give it a full, like, three is because it was the first type of movie, of first big Spider-Man movie. They they tried to branch out a little bit, and it didn't work out. Yeah. But for the big installment that comes after this that repeats the exact same mistakes, you, you saw what happened the last time. Yeah. You didn't you didn't pay attention and you somehow had an even worse editing and worse back and forth tone. Well, what'd you predict I would give it, Caleb? Uh I will tell you after I guess I'll tell you Okay, you're not gonna change to mess with me. No. I predicted you as a five, sir. Alright. Well, here's my quick uh, ideas for a uh that would be better because I I feel like I've shared a lot of thoughts in the movie throughout the review. Um, again, if you wanted a Venom, give him the proper origin, no Sandman, heavy focus on the Peter-MJ-Harry relationship, and how being Spider-Man is putting a strain on their relationship. Do more of Peter ruining Eddie Brock's life as Venom. Uh, Peter deciding, hey, if Harry won't... Bl-. So, like, maybe have uh, Spider-Man and uh, Green Goblin have a, uh, have a fight where MJ maybe gets hurt. And Venom Peter decides, you know, uh, I think I'm going to have to kill Harry. That's the only way MJ and I are going to live peacefully. And maybe he almost does, and he's like, man, God, what have I become? I'm about to kill Harry. I can't do that. That's when he rips the suit off, and it gets on Eddie Brock, you know. And uh, Harry finding out about his dad, we could have changed that. And then we get our Spider-Man Venom showdown that it would properly deserve. That would be a better movie than this. Or without Venom, which I would prefer. Venom needs this whole movie. We need to wrap up the Harry storyline. So Harry does become the Green Goblin, but he also experiments on the formula that turns people to the Green Goblin, makes it even stronger. We get a guy who I can't believe has still not been in any Spider-Man movies. Uh, We get Harry creating the Scorpion suit. Scorpion gets uh, out of control. And uh, Harry realizes that uh, Spider-Man was right about his dad, and they both team up to kill Scorpion. Um, cause, and then maybe Scorpion kills Harry during that, and uh, yeah. So that's what I would have done. Both of those are better ideas than this. I think everyone would agree. And I will give this movie a four. All right. 
Well, folks, that was Spider-Man 3. First and foremost, Simon, thank you for coming on. It's it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. All right. And, <laughs> yeah, thank you for uh, having me. It's always a fun to talk about these movies. Uh, I wasn't the biggest uh, comic book fan as a kid. I kind of discovered comics through these movies, Spider-Man in particular. Yeah. Uh, I was more on the DC camp, but as I've gotten older, I've really grown to appreciate Spider-Man as a character, the different incarnations, and this movie is basically what started it all. There would be no Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland into the Spider-Verse, Marvel Spider-Man games without uh, Tobey Maguire and the money that this this film series raked in. And while this movie in and of itself is not the best, I thoroughly enjoy this series of films. Well, we're going to do another sequel next week. 2007 just gets better and better. Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer on Disney+. And Mm -hmm. I'm very excited to tell my history with the movie with this one. I think it's funny. You might not, but I I think it is. Yeah. So that... Uh, that will drop on October 20th, I do believe. Mm-hmm. And the last movie of October, and also the last movie of 2007, is Underdog, which I do believe is also on Disney+. Plus. So when I said, you know, we go where other podcasts won't, this is what I'm referring to. Movies like Underdog. Hey, maybe and, it'll be uh, a fun kids movie. I mean, I know it's a kids movie, but maybe it'll at least be a good kids movie. Yeah, and that's October, and, you know, you guys probably know where this is headed, but come November, things are going to get really good. I'll leave it at that. Oh, finally. Oh, eight. I'm waiting on you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Folks, that is the show. Thank you for listening. And to quote Peter Parker, angry, disheveled Peter Parker, <laughs> you'll get your rent when you fix this damn door.
Yeah.